1: Looking to build wealth beyond the stock market? Gain access to alternative investment opportunities once reserved for the ultra wealthy with Yield Street. Build a diversified portfolio with investments such as real estate, art, commercial finance, and other alternatives, typically with low stock market correlation and targeting annual yields of up to 15%. Yield Street investment minimums start at $1,000. Head to YieldStreet.com to join over 275,000 members and create your account today.
2: The Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast is brought to you by Fry the Coop, Triple Threat Sports, Dr. Squatch, and by the Since In Law Group. Here are your hosts, NBC Chicago's James Naveau and 670 the Scores hockey guy, Jay Zawoski. Let's drop
0: the puck. Welcome in, friends. This is the latest edition of the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. My name is James Naveau from NBC5 Chicago, and with me, of course, as always, is the one, the only, Jay Zawoski of 6'7 of the score of the I'm Fat Podcast and the proud second-place finisher in a Potato Olays eating contest a few weeks ago. How'd that go for you, Jay?
1: Potato Olays? Are those the ones that had, like, the fat substitute that made you poop your pants?
0: I don't believe so. They've never made me do that. They are a delicious uh, menu item at Taco John's restaurants.
1: Oh, I'm thinking of Olean or Olestra. That was a thing. Anyway, uh, speaking of pooping your pants, we're going to talk about the Blackhawks uh, 4-1 loss to the Red Wings here momentarily. Uh, but as, first of all, thank you all for joining us. Follow us on Twitter at Pod Instagram Madhouse underscore pod. Look us up on Facebook and send us an email MadhousePod at gmail.com. Everything Madhouse Podcast lives at madhousepod.com, including a link to our merchandise shop, madhousepodmerch.com, powered by our friends at Triple Threat Sports. (sighs) James, (laughs) I was really looking forward to watching hockey tonight. And we discussed on our last podcast, our post-trade deadline podcast, how we were sort of bummed out that hockey will be ending soon, right? Their Hawks have, what, 13 games left now in the season, and the season is winding down in terms of Blackhawks hockey probably. Um, even if they make the playoffs, will probably be a first-round exit, so whatever. Um After that, I don't know if I want to watch hockey anymore.
0: <laughs> You're done for the season? No,
1: I think I'm just done
0: like in general yeah. forever yeah i'm good well you know what guys we had a really good uh nearly six-year run here on the madhouse chicago hockey podcast and uh apparently jay is
1: yeah yep. we're wrapping the show up yeah it's gonna do it <laughs> uh thanks everybody for the last uh six years it's been really great now i'm just kidding
0: uh it's just do you think that would be like the best way to like end the show just be like don't even like you know give a long goodbye just be like peace guys you know what
1: like mid-season you know what i'm done I'm good. I've had enough. I'm I'm, I'm done with hockey for now, right in the middle of the season. Yeah, I think that would be good. No, it was just, look, it probably wasn't as bad as it felt. And I got some audio from Duncan Keith I'm going to share here in a minute where he's just sort of like, I don't know, we played well and lost. What are you going to do? Sort of a thing. And I don't know. Maybe it's just the fact that you feel like, okay, it's Detroit. This should be one you should automatically chalk up. And yeah. They've been better lately. They've beaten Carolina. They've beaten Tampa. They've been a better team over the last little bit. They're still one of the worst teams in hockey history, and they've struggled against the Red Wings way too often this season, and for the weird Jeremy Cowton, five forwards on the power play oh, and then Lord, yeah. two defensemen on the second unit, like what What are we doing here? And then you've got guys that are typically reliable, Connor Murphy had maybe the worst game I've ever seen, seen him play. And it wasn't just like, Oh, a puck got away from me or bounced away. It was, it was focus mistakes. It was lack of awareness mistakes and everybody just turning the puck over. My God, this game was incredibly frustrating. And, uh, I, you know, maybe they deserve to win. I don't know. I don't think so though. That's not how I feel.
0: I mean, they did technically win the possession battle if you look into such things. I mean, they had a ton of shot attempts. I think they had 17 shot attempts in the first period of the game, and only three of them ended up actually counting as shots on goal, which yeah. I thought was kind of a wild statistic. I, Even with those numbers in mind, I still have to agree with you. The Blackhawks looked downright sloppy especially in the second and third period of the game i thought that they had an opportunity to really kind of make some hay against detroit and especially the second period man they look like hot garbage in that period the red the only time they looked relatively good it seemed like was when they were on the penalty kill which makes absolutely no freaking sense whatsoever but There we are, Jay. We are in a position where the Blackhawks had an opportunity tonight to make some uh, ground up in the Central. Sorry, the Discover Card Central Division playoff race. I have to do that right. Yep. They had an opportunity. The uh, Predators lost to Carolina tonight, and the Blackhawks promptly decided, you know what? Nah, we're we're gonna go ahead and we're gonna compete for fifth or sixth in the division because, as we all know, being in hockey purgatory and getting the twelfth or thirteenth pick in the draft way preferable to making a playoff spot or just completely tearing the thing down and potentially qualifying for the lottery just great great stuff
1: I just I don't feel like they lost enough at the deadline to just completely bottom out and let's be realistic they played this game without Adam Boquist and without without Calvin DeHaan who are two of your top four defensemen that's you know that's a big that's a big loss you're without Yanmark. you're without Soderbergh um, so yeah, there there are some built-in excuses here, but it's just like these opportunities. And this is what we've talked about for a while here, is as soon as it feels like the Hawks are about to turn that corner and maybe make the playoffs, maybe whatever, Jeremy Cowan teams throughout his reign as Blackhawks coach have fallen apart as soon as they get close. It's happened every year in his tenure he's had a good month or a good couple weeks and then as soon as that gap closes everything falls apart it's happening again and now what we're seeing is a trend it's not a fluke it's a trend and to me the Hawks look less organized now than they did two weeks ago three weeks ago like it's just it just looks like a fire drill out there
0: Yeah, there's no structure to it, right? I mean, we were talking earlier in the season about how great the structure looked for the Blackhawks on the power play, and it really looked like they had a really good scheme set up, and they were using guys in the correct spots, etc. The last couple of games, I can't even say that, the last like 10 games, basically, the Blackhawks have looked completely lost on the power play, and then the Big reveal tonight was that it was going to be five forwards on the ice for the power play instead of, you know, having like Wyatt Kalnick maybe play some power play time on the first set of guys. I don't know. That may have been a smart idea, but that's not what Jeremy Colleton decided to do. He decided to have five guys uh, go out on the ice and basically stare at each other like prepubescent teens at a dance. (laughs) It was the most ridiculous thing and they just, they wouldn't shoot the puck. They wouldn't move their feet. It was painful to watch. Just made it so painful you want to quit hockey podcasting. Painful, right, Jay? Isn't that how we're feeling right
1: now? Is that what we're going with? Uh, yes. Let's see if Duncan Keith can make us feel better. I can
0: second guess here all the time and sit here. But, you know, I thought, I thought we were skating well and playing well. Just a couple of plays that ended up in the back of the net. So maybe maybe we shouldn't just overthink things and just, Move on and nothing we can do about the game today, but uh, take what we did well, which was a lot of good things, but try to bring it in and try to get two points against these guys next game. That's all we,
1: that's all we can do now.
0: The word of Duncan Keith. Thanks be to God.
1: (laughs) Do you feel better?
0: I, you know what? Yes, I actually do. I felt the uh, the church organ was playing while that uh, soundbite was going on. I feel infinitely, <laughs> you know what? Okay, so let we're let's put aside the theatrics and being dramatic and stuff, and let's get down to the brass tacks of this. Yes, I disagree with Duncan Keith that they were skating well. He can tell me that all he wants. I thought the last 40 minutes of that game, they looked quite bad, and I didn't like what I was seeing from them. And I think part of it is what you had mentioned, that they just have looked a lot looser structurally recently. I also think it is, again, the thing that we have come back to several times this season. They play down to their competition so badly, and they are not good enough to do that and still win. I don't know if it's a young team thing. I don't know if it's a thing that the veteran guys think they can get away with it because they have for so many years of their career. Whatever it is, it needs to stop and it needs to get addressed by Saturday because I don't think I can watch another game like that without just completely losing my mind. You cannot come out there with that kind of effort that the Blackhawks did tonight and expect to win, especially against a Detroit team that is playing better. It's just – it was just so annoying, man.
1: Yeah, it just – it's just a missed opportunity. You know, it's why is it every time they get close and every time we start to feel good, things just fall apart. And as much credit as we gave Calton earlier this season, I'm, I don't want to keep giving him, Like you've got to be critical of him too. When things start to, to trend downwards and that's right. what we're doing. And like I said, you've got some new players. There's no doubt. I get it. Connolly Stillman are new in the lineup. Hinnestroza just got back here. Um, you know you've got uh, Ian Mitchell playing for the first time in three weeks like there's a lot of factors we already talked about the injuries granted all those things are true and all those things are real but it just you Duncan Key said they're skating well. you disagreed I disagree too I just didn't see a whole lot of hustle or aggression when I say aggression I mean like in terms of carrying the puck and trying to make things happen, everything was passive. The only yep. guy out there who was playing aggressive offensively was Nikita Zadorov, oh who had who had like a couple really decent offensive plays. One was a centering pass to Kubelik that he took kind of from the blue line behind the net and centered it perfectly. He had another one where he you know pinched, walked through the slot and then peeled off a little bit, took his time, and the, uh, the shot got saved. But like aside from that. Hey Jay, do you
0: want to take a wild guess on who the worst possession player was for the Blackhawks tonight?
1: Uh, well, because I'm talking about him, I'm going to think you're going to say Zadorov.
0: Thirty-seven and a half percent. He was indeed the worst.
1: Wow, that's bad.
0: (laughs) Considering some of the other like. Take a stab well, at he, how look, many guys I, you think were negative Corsi tonight. He,
1: he was bad defensively. Like, don't get me wrong. I, I'm just saying there were there were a few moments in the game where he j- tried to generate offense on his own.
0: I'm just I'm just pointing out the fact the Blackhawks had five negative possession players tonight, and you somehow managed to iso on the guy who was the worst of the bunch. I just thought it was funny.
1: It's crazy that they had so many guys. Yeah, you mentioned it. One, two, five guys under fifty percent. Murphy, yeah. Hagel, Kane, Kurochevskiy, Zadorov. Everybody else was 50% or higher. Dylan Strome, 84%. 21 shot attempts for four against with him on the ice. Ian Mitchell, second, 74%. That's huge. By the huge. way,
0: I still thought he was trying to do a little bit too much early in the game. I thought he settled down as the game went on. Who's that, I Mitchell? was going to get... Yeah, Ian Mitchell. It's Mm -hmm. his first game back into the mix with uh, both DeHaan and Boquist out, which I guess we can talk about a little bit too. Obviously was a little bit of a shorthanded night on the defensive side of things. But, yeah, Ian Mitchell, I thought, looked better as the game went on. But, yeah, early it was just very clear, like, I got to make an impact. I got to do it. I got to do it. And Mm -hmm. it's understandable for a young kid trying to get back into the lineup to do that. I'm just pointing out that it was very noticeable that that's what he was trying to do.
1: Yeah, well, overall, he played well. You didn't notice him, I mean, any more than anybody else, looking out of sorts and out of place. I just, you know, I, I'm just starting to question, not starting to, we've questioned the game plan all year, but it just seems like the way counting system works is it has to be perfect, and if it's not, it's chaos. Yep. And the less perfect it is and the fewer veteran players you have, no DeHaan, no Janmark, no Soderbergh, the more things fall apart. And that's how, to me, if I'm summarizing this game, look, they killed him in possession. Maybe the Hawks deserve to win. But to me, the entire thing looks sloppy and disorganized. There were moments where guys were so concerned with staying on their check, their assignment, that guys with the puck would skate right past them. That is a broken defensive system.
0: I completely agree with you, and like we had mentioned, we have talked about that kind of breakdown before in terms of uh, zone integrity and all of that. And again, I think it is something that kind of was exacerbated tonight by the fact that you were missing a veteran like Calvin Dehan, who does tend to, for his uh, lacking in speed at times, I do think Dehan plays smart at other times and kind of well, yeah. can make the system work. Right. And then Adam Boquist, a guy who's been playing with a lot of confidence and playing really well lately, losing those two guys is rough. And then trying to work a guy like Ian Mitchell back into the mix, I thought just kind of made everything a little bit worse.
1: Definitely. And it, it, it is a tough situation for the coach. Like there, there's there's a lot of new faces because even Stillman has only played one other game. He played 15-54. You know, so a it's, bad
0: penalty tonight too.
1: He did, and he got. Uh, there were a couple times he pinched that ended up with turnovers. I that, pinch that to me was the story of the game. Was just giving the puck away over and over again, and somehow the Hawks are only credited with four giveaways. I think I saw that in one shift. That is such a weird stat that never seems to translate to like what actually happened on the ice. Because I think it's one of those objective like there's some dude who just marks off giveaways or whatever uh and it's it's not like a real mathematical like scientific way to do it but i don't know does he
0: get zapped every time he gives out a giveaway on the score sheet is that (laughs) at least they're like a disincentive to do that yeah like
1: in ghostbusters where bill murray was shocking the guy with the uh with the with the fro and then giving the girl (laughs) all the right answers to make a 30 year old reference uh (laughs) that's the way to get young listeners
0: hey everybody we are old
1: just go through your parents' DVD collection, watch Ghostbusters, and you'll get the reference. Do what? kids even know what DVDs are nowadays? I swear to God, Addie thinks they're funny. It's like, what is that? I'm like, that's a DVD. It's how you watch movies. She's like, come on. I'm like, no, really. Like you'd, <laughs> if I had a, The other funny thing is like, I don't have a disc player anywhere. I've kept all my CDs because I'm like, I, I I spent thousands of dollars on CDs over the years. I'm not just throwing them out. I'm never going to use them again. I'm never going to look at them again. They're just taking up room in my house, but I can't just bring myself to dump thousands of towers of CDs in the trash. (sighs) I don't know. Maybe someday like the laws will change and it'll be like Spotify is illegal. Go back to your CDs and I'll be covered. But man, I don't know. Anyway.
0: Welcome into this edition of the I'm Old Podcast. My name (laughs) is I forget.
1: Yeah. Your name is um, I forget too. That's very strange. All right, this episode of the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast is brought to you by Dr. Squatch Natural Soap Company. So much happening at Dr. Squatch. New packaging looks really, really nice. New scents, new deodorants, all sorts of stuff happening at Dr. Squatch. Go get yourself some bar soaps. Go get yourself some hair care products, some toothpaste uh, everything you want to put on your skin and stay healthy and look healthy and feel healthy, you can get at DrSquatch.com. First-time users can save 20% with the promo code MADHOUSE20. So again, DrSquatch.com, use that promo code MADHOUSE20. All right, James, I think we have talked this game into the ground. So what we're going to do is take a quick timeout. When we come back, I have two pieces of audio I want to share with you Uh, one of which just absolutely befuddled me and made my brain melt out of my ears this week. We'll explain next on the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast.
0: The economy is made up of real people doing real stuff, and it affects everything, which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news. We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy. From big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed, Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. Listen to Marketplace
1: wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back into the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. My name is Jay Zawoski out here in Homewood. That's James Neveau out there in A. Follow me on Twitter at jayzawoski 670 James Naveau is at James Naveau. You don't have an underscore, do you? Are you an underscore guy?
0: I am not an underscore guy you. now. That's
1: why I like you. Not a big fan of the underscores. Makes people hard to search for. Anyway, before the break and before the podcast began, I mentioned to James, I heard some audio this week and I was tipped off by an emailer. And because I'm a hack, I forgot to write down their name. But thank you for the alert. Scotty Bowman was a guest on the um, Sportsnet hockey podcast with Jeff Merrick and uh, Anthony Stewart and um, they asked some some questions I got two cuts I pulled here okay the first one is the one that befuddles me the second one is interesting on Stan Bowman so I'm going to play this piece of audio for you James and I'm not going to react I just want to know what you make of these comments of Scotty Bowman and I want to let everybody know this was released on April 4th so this is pre-trade deadline. This is uh, what, 11 days ago from when we're recording this. So a little bit has changed with the Blackhawk since then, but I think it still holds up. So give this a listen, listen attentively, and let me know what you think of this here cut. From the Sportsnet Hockey Podcast, I wanted to get your thoughts on the job that Jeremy Colton is doing right now with the Blackhawks. And I'm not sure if you guys know this, but uh, you got your first coaching job around the same age that Jeremy did in the National Hockey League uh, with the St. Louis Blues. Uh, So, how is it as a young coach, and what challenges do you see it uh, from your perspective in being a young coach in the league?
2: Well, you know, he's—they're trying to regroup and he does play young players uh which we know when they when you're trying to build a team and uh it, it, he had a lot of problems with uh the old and the new because obviously when you take over a team uh, like that uh especially uh you know Joel quenville was such an experienced and successful coach and uh that's a pretty pretty big shoes to fill i was I was lucky. I I started on a new team, and I started as assistant coach. I, my plan was to be there the second year, and I actually when they turned it when they asked me to do it after the first 16 games, I was I wasn't too anxious to start over uh, start hmm. that time, but I, it worked out okay. But no, uh, you know it's a different era now. He's uh, he's he's. I think he's big into the new the new kind of coaches with analytics and. I mean, you know, with the with the iPads on the bench and there it's a totally different concept uh and uh, so I I really, you know, I see a lot of things that uh I would do maybe and he doesn't do and things like that, but you know, they don't he, he's he's got a young team, he's trying to he's trying to put the pieces together and it's uh, and you know, you're always compared to what happened before. And uh, and the team is, it's in a, it's in a tough bind right now. And and uh, I'm looking ahead, even next year. Like you know, when they go back to the to the um, divisions that we had prior to this year, I mean, when you look at what's happening next year, Winnipeg, Minnesota, Colorado, Arizona, they're coming in. They're they're all in the same division, and you still got Nashville. I mean, they're pretty. You know, they're they're coming on again, and St. Louis is not going to go away. I mean, they're they're having a bit of a downtime now because they they had a lot of injury problems and loss of some big defensemen. But so you know, it's it's a tough road to hoe for a coach to come in and rebuild a team. But they seem to have patience in Chicago, and uh, they have some young players, uh, but they don't have the support. And that's why I think they made the trade. Uh, as I know, yesterday they they do have some room. They've been trying to accumulate uh, money uh, uh, going forward, which isn't easy when you're trying to rebuild a team. Mm-hmm. You know, Anthony, it's not easy, and uh, especially your defense core. That's that's the secret for the. To me, that's the secret mm-hmm. in the NHL now. From the time I used to coach to now, although defensemen were always so important, but now. The, the hybrid defensemen, How are you going to get them if you don't draft them? Um, can you trade for them? I don't. I don't know if you can get the ones and twos in a in a deal. That's that's pretty tough to do, you know. So they they have to be patient. And uh, he does play young players, and that's to his credit. But uh, like all coaches, I always was told when I started, doesn't uh, no matter what how good you are, what what you've done or where you're going uh, your job's in the standings and that's the tough part the standings are going to be a big a big challenge
0: you know
1: okay your thoughts <laughs> your, um, just your first blush reaction to that
0: that was a lot of words it was a
1: lot of words i apologize um, for that
0: the, the uh I, I think the first reaction that i have was I did find it interesting that he mentioned the lack of buy-in, I guess you would say, among the veteran players on the team. I, I think that that's something that we've documented really well on the podcast um, yes. over the course of Collinson's tenure, and it was interesting to hear Scotty Bowman talk about that a little bit. And, and if uh, you missed
1: it, he said the, he had some problems with the old and the new. Yeah. That was the quote. Hmm. Okay, no, that, look, that's we knew that, so that, right? So
0: he had problems with the night and the day, basically. He just had problems with everybody.
1: That's how it sounded coming out of his mouth. And look, that's not, we knew that, right? We knew he had issues with some veterans. He, he might still um, thought the young players liked him. Maybe not. Maybe Scotty was just saying the new job. I don't know. Okay, I'm glad you caught that. That that stood out to me, too. What else? <sighs>
0: Um, I'm trying to thank God. I I also, uh, the breakdown of the division kind of, uh, hurt my brain too, just because of the fact that, yeah, all of those teams are coming into the division and a lot of them are potentially going to give the Blackhawks some issues. So I was glad he touched on that topic too. Um, I just God, like so I like lost I lost some thoughts on that just because it was so freaking long.
1: I know I know I, I couldn't <laughs> cut any of it out though because I thought all of it was significant you know and so here here's my thing Stan Bowman has said in the past that he talks to his dad every day right and yeah look maybe that's just a manner of speaking like if someone said to me Jay how often do you talk to your dad I would say oh every day and I don't necessarily do that but Here's why my brain is melting, okay? Didn't sound like Scotty really loves Jeremy Colleton, right? Like, he said flat out, there are some things I see him do that I wouldn't do. And, yes, it's a different era. Yes, it's a different time. All those things acknowledged.
0: And Scotty hasn't coached in, what, 15 years? Right. At the
1: same time. Tony
0: Larusa looking mofo. It's like...
1: It also sounded like because of what he was saying about the standings and like I was the last thing he said, I was always told, you know, no matter what you do, it's all about the standing at the end. That tells me and, and maybe and look, I am, I am allowing for the possibility that I'm reading into this a lot and I probably am. But the fact that he was saying like, you know what, like he could do all these things right. But at the end of the day, you got to win. Is that indicating that that Stan might be losing patience? I don't know.
0: Let me tell you right now, if that's what he meant and that's something that Stan has put in Scotty's ear, that is the biggest load of crap I have ever heard in my life. Why would you go through all of that stuff at the beginning of the season? Oh, we're rebuilding. We're doing this. We're doing that. If you're going to lose patience, like three, four months into the season out of your big rebuilding process, then you weren't really rebuilding to begin with. And that is a ridiculous stance to take. And if that's what Stan thinks, that pisses me off. That is completely ludicrous. Well, let me ask
1: you this. Okay, I see what you're saying, and you're correct. And if we're talking about you're fired because you didn't win, that is BS, right? That is preposterous is what that is. But if... You've seen Jeremy Colleton in his first year without Brent Seabrook around, without Jonathan Taves around, without the air quotes undermining of the veterans, right? He's got a young team. He's got full control. He's got a new contract. If all those things considered, Bowman does not see a big enough improvement in the system, in the competitiveness in the record and all those things and throughout the record. I shouldn't have said that. But in, in all the other things you can measure in a coach, aside from wins and losses, could he be souring on him? I don't know. And again, I am probably reading into it way too much. But for a father, a father like Scotty Bowman, who is as close to his son as they claim to be, he just seemed very kind of like wishy-washy about jeremy collett and i would think that if i if my son or daughter was gung-ho about something or someone and i was interviewed about it i would at least put on a face of like hey you know what like he's doing great like he's got young players playing like you can just sort of bs your way through it and not say anything scotty was saying stuff there like there was some pointed criticism in that and that to me like and if he is just like, I just disagree with Stan, that's fine, too. I, I, I don't know. the whole. That's why I'm so brain melty about this, because I really don't know what to, to take from it. Are the Hawks happy with Colleton? I don't know if they should be.
0: There's only one logical follow-up question to ask if that is indeed the case. And you know what that question is? What? Why'd you give him an extension? It's not like there's some magical, oh, we just now realized that Jeremy Colleton may not be a master communicator, may not be a master developer. That stuff would have all been known already and you cannot come to us and tell us all of these things about Jeremy Colleton, about what a great developer and communicator he is, and then about face on it three months later and expect not to get flack for it. Stan Bowman, deserves every bit of criticism he would get. And frankly, if he really is that quickly soured on Jeremy Colleton, that's on him, and he should be held accountable for that. If he's going to turn on the guy that quickly, that's on stand to me. That's not on Jeremy Colleton, and that's a decision that the Wurtzes would have to make because if you really are going to misjudge a guy's qualities and characteristics that badly, you probably shouldn't be the general manager of the team.
1: I'm going to take this local, Okay. And we're talking about the Cubs with Ricky Renteria. Now, as far as I know, the Joe Madden of the NHL is not becoming available suddenly for the Hawks, so it's a little bit different. But the Haw- the so- the Cubs had this idea of Renteria as this great developer who's going to get these guys ready to go, blah, 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 ready to compete. They thought that once they're ready for the World Series, he would be the guy, and something changed, right? Maybe it was the availability of Joe Madden. Maybe that was it. But guess Maybe. who? Maybe?
0: That is what changed.
1: Okay, but guess who else saw the same exact thing out of Ricky Renteria? The White Sox. So after time, mm. <laughs> and with a bigger sample size, things change. And you said Stan would get flack for it. I think if he fired Jeremy Cowden tomorrow most Hawks fans would rejoice.
0: I would have some very serious questions if he did that, just because of the fact of how, not only how strongly he defended Jeremy Colleton, but let's not forget, again, he gave Jeremy Colleton a contract extension. But, you uh, know what the Cubs didn't do? You know what the White Sox didn't do? They didn't give Renteria an extension and then like immediately fire him three months later. That's not what they did.
1: No, I know, but how how often do you see coaches on the last year of their deal, though, sign a deal before the season begins just so they're not lame duck? Because you
0: also don't have to sit there and feed us this line about how there's a rebuild going on and you're going to be patient and do things the right way. If that's all BS, why'd you say it?
1: Well, he said it in the summer and the season hadn't begun yet
0: what to, what do to you suggest that the timeline should be further along than where it is right now what what suggests that to you?
1: Because they're playing worse
0: that, well, that's a different thing. That, but, that's, but
1: that's what I'm saying, though, is, is I, we've seen... To
0: me, you don't fire the coach and bring in the Joe Madden unless you think you can realistically compete for a Stanley Cup next year, and the answer is they cannot do it. So what you're doing then is you're hiring another guy to develop. You're not hiring a Joe Madden. But it, you're hiring... You're getting rid of Dale Swain and bringing in Ricky Renteria, if that's what you're doing. That's not the same then to me.
1: Okay, but at what point, you know, if if Stan Bowman feels like young players are not developing enough or young players are regressing or whatever. When is it okay? When, like when is it too late to pull the plug? If this is your big developer and look, I just want to be clear here. I'm not well, saying well, what
0: sparked all of this was Scotty Bowman talking about the standings, which to me is a complete non-starter as a, ju- as terms of a justification of firing Jeremy Colleton. That should not be part of the calculus.
1: My, my calculus is the way he talked about Bowman or the way he talked about Colleton knowing his relationship with his son right like i don't know maybe it's just scotty's personality he's like i don't care i'm a straight shooter i say what i think i don't care what what, how it's going to affect stan or whatever uh who knows i just to me it just i heard that i've listened to it now three or four times because i had to load it into our system edit it down a little bit whatever and every time i hear it i'm like huh it's just such a strange way for him to answer that question like, I don't know, maybe I'm, I, I, I'm, pr- I'm probably definitely overthinking it. I just, I, I it think just, I just can't shake weird feelings about those comments and I can't help but read into them. Maybe I'm nuts. If you guys agree, disagree, hit us up on Twitter at Pod or on our email uh, madhousepod at gmail.com. I want to know what other people think. Cause I'm overthinking it. Maybe I just, what I, it just honestly, rubbed me weird. I just like, ugh, I got like a what, itch itch yeah. listening to it.
0: What I honestly think is that Scotty is a guy who just kind of likes to talk about these things, kind of stream of conscience, you know, like Mm -hmm. just or stream of consciousness, just kind of going with the flow. And I just I don't. I don't get the vibe from him that he maybe necessarily was trying to send all of the messages that he ultimately said, I guess. Sure. Like, there might be some kernels of truth to pick out here and there. I do think that what I need to remember, because, man, I got a little worked up about that. What I need to remember and what everybody else needs to remember is that as much as we want to say, like, oh, Scott, you know, Stan is Scotty's kid. And he probably wouldn't have gotten the job without Scotty, you know, being part of the pack. The fact is Stan Bowman has been in charge of this organization of the hockey side of things for over 10 years. Like Stan Bowman is his own man. So to me, I have to try to remember that this was not Stan that was saying these words. I'm just saying if you're going to fire Jeremy Colleton, I think Stan Bowman needs to answer a lot of questions as to why, and he also would need to do it for the right reasons. And if it's about the record and the fact that he thinks that they should be a playoff team right now, I have news for him. They shouldn't be. So that's where I'm going to leave that.
1: Okay. I'm going to, you led me into this nicely um, because I feel like it's every week we have to fight the battle of this Bowman wouldn't have a jab if not for his dad. It's like, okay, it is like the laziest possible hockey opinion you can have.
0: Completely agree.
1: And it's just like, uh, okay. Like, yeah, he's got a, a degree in finance from Notre Dame. He's worked with the Hawks since 2000. He was a special assistant to the GM. Then he was director of hockey operations. He worked his way up. He was assistant GM. Then he was GM. Like he had the natural progression of any, well, not any, because some GMs are like, you play defense. Good. You GM now, <laughs> like, you know, come on. Like I'd rather have someone with qualifications and skills than like, you were good at hockey, run my team. It doesn't work that way. Wayne Gretzky was a horrible coach. Anyway, Scotty was asked about Stan's journey into hockey. This is a longer cut, but it's very interesting. It's a lot of stuff in here I did not know before. Give it a listen. Uh, I promise you we will not scream and yell on the back end of this one. Stan, <laughs> uh, your son.
0: We had him on the program not too long ago, and we talked plenty about the Blackhawks and, you know, uh, you know Mar- heading up the United States Olympic program for for men's hockey. I'm curious, from your point of view, was there a moment in his life or a sort of an era or something you can point to where Scotty Moman said, you know what, I can see my son running an organization one day?
2: No, uh, I didn't think of that. He, you know, he went to Notre Dame and he, he was a computer finance major and uh, he worked for a, a company called Arthur Anderson out of school. He got the job at school and it, it was a bit of travel I guess it was around the end of. Uh, he graduated in '95, so probably a couple of years later, he worked for them for three years, and and then he he asked me once. He said he, he'd like to get a, a job in hockey. So I said, "No, you don't want to be." You know, I was thinking of being a uh, like a scout because my brother was a scout, and I used to try to discourage him. But uh, he he, he uh, Jack uh, became a. You know, he ended up before he passed away. He was head scout at Buffalo, but. No, I, I just told him. I, I said, I, you know, the best thing you could do is to is to write to as many teams as you can, and which he did. And uh, uh, at one time, uh, he, he was involved. Uh, I somehow gave him the name of uh, Mike Barnett, who had, had been Wayne Gretzky's. Uh, you know, he would looked after yes, Wayne yeah. for a long time, and uh, he nearly got a job. Um, Mike Barnett was putting together a company. Uh, with uh, Wayne Gretzky, Mario Lemieux, and Michael Jordan. It was going to be like a memorabilia company and they were going to headquarter in Chicago. So I think he interviewed with Mike, but it never, all of the loose ends couldn't be tied together. So he wrote a letter to everybody and he, he didn't hear from anybody for about six months, but Bob Pulford uh, of Chicago uh-huh. saw his resume and, and, and uh, <laughs> Mike Smith was the general manager. Uh-huh. He got kind of lucky because Stan was Big in, in computers and and uh, and in you know, finance, and Mike was the same type of uh, you know uh, academic person. So he he put he put him in touch with Mike Smith, and and he got started with uh, with Mike, and Mike took a, a you know a good interest in him, and and he was his he was more like he was before the salary cap era, but mm-hmm. he kind of did most of the business part. So that's how he got started. But I, I didn't think it was a good idea. Um, when I was in Detroit, though, um, um, I did have a lot of conversations with uh, Mike Illich, and he's, he's always asking about your family members. He was a wonderful man, and mm-hmm. Mike Mike had mentioned. I said, you know, Stan went to Notre Dame, and he said, well, why don't you bring him over here? Why don't we get why don't we get him started? And I said, no, you know, a guy like that's got to start on his own. So that that's mm-hmm. the story of Stan, really. But he got a break from Chicago and. Uh, uh, Mike Smith and then later uh, Dale Tallon and uh, Dale, Dale promoted him. He was only like a, an intern originally, but when Dale took over uh, he, I think that was maybe at the beginning of the salary cap or just around that time.
1: Interesting, huh? That does, it sounds to me like the opposite of nepotism Where Scotty Bowman's like, I don't want you to do that. That's stupid. Do something else or do it yourself. I thought that was really interesting that Scotty didn't help him at all.
0: Yeah. No, that definitely was interesting. (laughs) And it kind of, like you said, flies in the face of the narrative a little bit that Stan only got where he was because he happened to ride in on uh, Scotty's coattails. Because if I remember correctly, Scotty didn't get brought in until... Rocky Wirtz and John McDonough had kind of taken over the show, right? Like yes. Stan was in the organization before Scotty was brought in. So that's a, definitely a really kind of interesting perspective on it that I don't think we had heard before and definitely a lot more uh, entertaining and soothing to me than the uh, previous <laughs> bit of audio was.
1: Well, see, a lot of people say if, if his last name wasn't Bowman, he wouldn't have the job. If you take the name Bowman away and read the resume... He's perfectly qualified. He's done everything a hockey man needs to do to rise to GM and now president of hockey operations. And I'm not saying, I've said many times, if they fire Stan Bowman tomorrow, you're not going to hear me argue. But just the opinion of he only has the job because of his dad is, it's just dumb and it's lazy. And I think most of the people listening to this know that. But I just... I wanted to reiterate that I thought that was a really interesting part of the interview. That's a whole bunch of history that I did not know about Stan and Scotty Bowman. So I just want to share that. I know our, our fans like to get smarter and sometimes it's not always about, uh, you know, what's happening on the ice. So I thought I just thought that was an interesting piece of tape to share. That was from the Hockey Central podcast on April 4th. So if you want to hear the whole interview, it's uh, Scotty Bowman talking hockey. What could be better than that? Aside from this podcast, of course our podcast rules. Anyway, all right, let's wash that game away. All right, let's forget about the 4-1 loss to the Detroit Red Wings, and let's think some happy thoughts. The weekend is coming. Tomorrow's payday for probably half of you. So enjoy that. Have a great weekend. We'll be back uh, early next week with a brand new episode. But until then, make sure you're following us on all of our social media channels, on Twitter, at MadhousePod, on Instagram, Madhouse underscore pod, and we're on, of course, on Facebook and visit MadhousePod.com. There you can also buy a signed copy of my book, The Big 50, The Men and Moments That Made the Chicago Blackhawks. Uh, just click that link and it'll send me a note and I'll sign your book and ship it out tomorrow. So, MadhousePod.com for all your Madhouse podcast needs. Until next time, for my partner, James DeVoe, my name is Jay Zawoski. This has been the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast.
2: The Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast was brought to you by Fry the Coop, Triple Threat Sports, Dr. Squatch, and by the In Law Group.
0: I'm Amira Rose Davis, historian and co-host of the sports podcast, Burn It All Down. And now I'm hosting the new season of American Prodigy, all about black girls in gymnastics. For the last 40 years, black gymnasts have moved from the margins to the core of the sport and changed gymnastics along the way. Now, they tell their stories. You'll meet trailblazers like Diane Durham, superstars like Jordan Childs, and everyone in between. Listen to American Prodigies on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts.